This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. The Taranaki Congress is done and dusted. And boy, like we mentioned in Kermit's segment coming up in the show, what great numbers, Barry. Yeah, 42 teams in the, in the open teams and 80 pairs in the open Swiss pairs. Mariana, how many teams were there in the intermediate, in junior? There was 10 teams having a big fight out for that. Well, that wasn't and- too bad when you bear in mind that Hamilton were holding what didn't look to be in competition when they started their intermediate and junior peers on the same day. Isn't that weird how you get them? So there was actually three intermediate events on Saturday. There was the Hamilton, Taranaki, and there was a face-to-face down in Wellington. Hamilton pretty happy, no doubt, with their intermediate peers in the end. They end up with 16 tables, Mary, I think. 15 and a half, yeah. They had 31 peers in intermediate and how many in the junior there were 18 peers in in the junior event so really good numbers i really like that and while we're talking about it let me tell you who took out the hamilton intermediate they were hamilton club members kathy nolan and karen thompson fantastic coming in second trini lynn and Catherine cameron another hamilton pair and from warkworth they were third graham duns steve moore isn't it great to have a pair from Warkworth playing in the intermediate? And there were people there from Levin, all over the place. There was, I think there might have been somebody from Downs, from everywhere. We would not have got them if it was face-to-face. Face-to-face, absolutely. And the juniors, the podium for that was Sue Gregg, Deidre Gunn from Tauranga. Jude Wood and Margaret Powell were from Mount Albert. They were second. And Rochelle Mayer and Stephen Weir were third equal with Joe Millington and Mike Hibbard and those were from Hamilton. So Hamilton people, well done. The numbers and, overall, fantastic. And thank you for, to all those visitors for taking part in that tournament. Absolutely. So, Back to Congress. Indeed, Taranaki Congress. The winners of the Open teams were the Richardson team. That was Steve Bowie and William Lou, Carol Richardson and Andy Bowie. Bit of a family affair with William added in there. They had a big win in the last round. Second over the line were Gary Chen's team. Gary Chen and John Wang, Jetta Lou and June Lay. And third were Fraser Hoskin team, Jack James and Jeremy Fraser Hoskin. And they were playing with Max Morrison and Jane Lennon. And they were in great form. And the Intermediate Junior Congress results were first place, the Murphy team. So it was Graham Potter, Rob Armstrong, Trish Murphy and Gillian Ramsey. And my friends all the way from Palmy Barry came in second. That was the Griffin team. Laura Griffin, Tony Clare, Debbie Marcroft, Gary Hodge. Yeah, I noticed those names. Pretty good. So that Murphy team, they won the free entry to Congress. That was certainly worth them playing. Absolutely. Really good. We're having a chuckle about some of the things that happen over bridge. And I was talking to Oi. Barry. Oi. And what? You've got to announce the Open Swiss Bears. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That could be a chuckle in itself. Okay. <laughs> Taranaki Congress Swiss Pairs. That was taken out by our friend, Pam Livingston, Graham Tufnell. Congratulations, Kermit. And second place was this 
guy that sells real estate in Hamilton and his lovely wife. So that was Barry Jones and Jenny Millington. And third were our friends Grant Jarvis and Bob Hurley. Good competition, 80 pairs. Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond with Kermit. Manamana. 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 Hey, good morning, Kermit. You had a great day Monday. At I, did, I did have a great day. Swiss Pears playing with the wonderful Graham Tufnell. There are 80 pairs and we had a bit of luck. And I must say... How very, very gracious Barry Jones was. Barry and Jenny were a close second. What a gracious man you are, Barry. Because as Uh soon as the event finished, you (laughs) sent me a congratulatory text. So thank Uh, you very much. Yeah. Come on, what did it say? Can we edit this bit out, Mariana? No. (laughs) You're going to pay for this, Mr. Jones. It said... I don't know if I can say this on radio, but, you know, someone can bleep it if I can. Well done, brackets, you bitch. (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) Oh, my God, Joe. We did reasonably well in the teens. At the end, we were actually fifth when I looked, but we dropped. And every time I look above me, there's this bloody Livingston name ahead of me. So then I get to the point of the Swiss pairs, and there we are, second, I look up, and there it is again. Yeah, just keep looking up, Barry. Keep looking up. <laughs> well, my partner and I, just to sneak it in, our goal was to aim as close to 30 as we could get. And round six, we were sitting at 34th, and we thought, oh, this is good. And then we had a little bit of a slip. Oh, you had a slip, but you also had a very tough draw. And that's something that happens in Swiss pairs, isn't it? The last few places can often... B, the luck of the draw, whether you get a tough draw or a not-so-tough draw or whether the cards are your way or not. Well done for being up there, Mariana. 80 peers is a lot of peers. And I've said it before, it's just so, so critical, the draw you get in the last round. The Swiss peers, the last round draw and the last round cards is everything. There's nothing they can really do about it. It has way more bearing on the final result than you'd like it to, really. Mm. Yeah. But mind you, the other eight rounds have some bearing on the final result too. <laughs> they do, but the last round has a huge amount. And you didn't have a very friendly draw in the last round, Pam, so well done for that. Yeah, we had a very tough draw in the last round, but you know, how many matches did we have? Seven? Lovely opponents, lovely matches, same with the teams. Thank you, everyone we played. It was a real pleasure. And I think it might have been you and I'd seen who I got for the last round, Grant Jarvis and Bob Hurley. I wouldn't have been thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not always not lovely to see Grant and Bob. <laughs> yeah, Taranaki Congress was very successful. It all worked out, Kapai, and I really hope, I really, really do hope the Taranaki Congress has been a bit cursed over the last couple of years. And I really, really do hope that next year that we see you all in person at the table and you can look forward to the famous Taranaki hospitality. Are there any vouchers for white bait for the place getters and bears? Are they white bait fritters? Is there anything happening there? Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe there could be. But hey, I've just remembered, Barry. We missed out on a date about three years ago, wasn't it? We missed out on a date the day before the Taranaki Congress. We were going to go oh, horse riding together. That's right. We did. I ended up having to go to a funeral, believe it or not, Mariana. Yeah, yeah. we were going horse riding with Johnny D. And if you can picture this... Jenny and I, Pam and Johnny D, 
on a horse trek in North Taranaki <laughs> was all lined up. We were going to go. You know, there's always next year. <laughs> I'm sure somebody would bring a camera or even a video camera. <laughs> Might not be a pretty sight, but it would be good. Taranaki must have been really pretty happy with their numbers. They were pretty up there. 42 teams and 80 pairs. I mean, those numbers are beyond their wildest dreams. They wouldn't even be able to fit them in if it was face-to-face. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> that team's number, did that include the intermediates and juniors as well? No, there were 42 open teams. Maybe 16 or something in the intermediate? Or something like that. Like that, my friends from Palmy were runner-up in the intermediate teams. Debbie I saw Marshall, that. Laura and, Griffin, yeah. Tony Clear, and Gary Hodge. Congratulations. Yeah. So huge numbers. Since I got to play against Bill Mickey from Monica, I think he's from. I haven't seen Bill for, we reckon it was 25 years at least. It might have been 30. And now I've seen him twice in six months online. Really nice guy. <laughs> really good to see him. You know, benefits of Online Bridge. I've had some lovely chats with people this weekend. Really nice. Okay, let's get on to your topic. My topic this week is one of my favourite aspects of bridge, and people had big opinions about this. Some people think it is just not cricket at all. One of my favourite parts of bridge, and that's sight bids. So, (laughs) a sight bid, what's the definition? A gross and deliberate misrepresentation of your hand by your bid so gross and deliberate you know if you psych regularly then it's no longer really a psych it's a partnership agreement so you have to be careful about the frequency but I just think that psychs are just a fantastic part of the game they don't come up that often and if you can do one with a straight face, it's one of the great pleasures at the bridge table. <laughs> not always, Pam. Not always. Oh, if you're in a, you know, like your wife who likes jumping out of aeroplanes, it just gives you this adrenaline rush because you just don't know how it's going to end. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't always end happily. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's exciting. I mean, who wants to just have a boring life? <laughs> Okay. Well, hang on. Did you cite this weekend? Yes. Yes. How many times? Only one that I can remember, and it was quite an unusual one. Oh. Because I cite a minor, not a major. Ah. So I'll tell you the hand. My partner opened one heart, and I got a double. And I had four spades to the king queen, six hearts to the ten, a singleton diamond, in a doubleton club. So I was four, six, one, two. And I just wanted to bid four hearts. But you know what's going to happen over four hearts is somebody's going to take a dive and a minor. So it went <laughs> one heart, double. So I picked my shorter suit and I bid two diamonds, natural and forcing. And uh, and uh, a partner bid. The hand on your left, did he sort of fidget? Only you could see them because they're on your side of the screen. How did they cope with the two diamond bid, Pam? They were very good players. And they were both she's, actually. And no, they don't flinch. And then yep. my partner. They raised your diamonds, I reckon. He bid three no trumps, which I corrected to four hearts. And it passed out. And made four hearts and at the other table 
our teammates dived in five clubs and pushed them to five hearts and they went one off. So <laughs> it just cast a little bit of doubt about whether they should be in our auction and that one worked. I'm not saying all sites work, or even claiming that all of my own sites worked. That one just kept us out of trouble. I've got a sad story to tell from many years ago when I psyched in a minor. Third in hand, I opened a club or something or whatever it was, and, and my partner, Dick Horn, who is not with us now, but he's a great guy and a lot of fun, and he he passed. I remember that. Anyway... Why is it? And when partners pass, as soon as you do something, their hand turns into a monster, right? So anyway, <laughs> I opened a club and they doubled and my partner redoubled showing 10 plus and I sort of felt, felt impending doom. <laughs> anyway, they bid something on my right and I passed. They bid something on my left and my partner doubled and they bid something on my right and then they bid something on my, and my partner doubled and I'm thinking, what is he doing? He's giving his past hand and he's, now he's redoubled and he's doubled twice and finally they got all the way up to three spades which of course my partner doubled unbeknown to me we finally actually got to something that he could beat right <laughs> <laughs> but i was only young and i was only an intermediate and i panicked and i thought oh god i'll have to bid something i didn't know what anybody had well they bid everything except the suit that i said that i had that i didn't so i ran to the suit that i didn't have and they doubled me and i went for 1100 <laughs> I could have passed three spades doubled. Was that your first ever psych? Is it? Is no, it, wasn't, it wasn't. Wasn't my first one. It was just got so. It got a bit intense. <laughs> Listeners, I sent Barry and Mariana an article that I wrote for our club newsletter, and it was written ten million years ago when I was a junior, and it was about my first ever psych. Excuse me, listeners, it was written with a quill and ink, I'm sure of it. She had an inkwell <laughs> back in the day. It was that long ago. It was very good. I'll just read you the first sentence. For a long time now, I have felt the need to try a psych bid and have been looking at each hand with that end in mind. Now, I put it to you that I've actually been looking at each hand and thinking about the actual hand that probably would have been more profitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a million years ago, that story. It worked out well, and I think it encouraged me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, listeners, she actually ended it in this sentence. The good fairy of bridge players everywhere was sitting on my shoulder for that hand, so of course it must have worked out, didn't it? Anyway, I've got that psych bid out of my system now, and I'll never do it again. And in brackets, it's got, well, not for a wee while anyway. <laughs> How long was it between sites, Pam? I don't know. I don't do it that often these days, but I just think it's a great part of the game. And I've been caught by sites. I've, I've had it done to me. And all you got to do is shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well, good on you. You got me. <laughs> Join us next week at the Lily Pad with Pam Livingston, Bridge Coach. See you. Mana, mana. Some good stories you were just about to say, Mariana. Yep, couple of chuckles. Well, we've got to name names, Mariana. These stories, we can't just say that it was somebody that everybody knows. So let's just be clear. This was Gary Foydle we're talking about. <laughs> so he rushed back from Hamilton to his property to play on Thursday for a practice. 
only to find that when he got home, the power was off, which he had been advised of, but he hadn't read, so he wasn't able to play. That was, so that was a bit of a disaster. Anyway, he moved on to the Saturday when the teams started. Once again, he was in Hamilton. He had to rush home to play, so he got nearly home, only to find that the road was closed because there was a rally. There was a car rally on, and he had been advised of it. He had seen it, so he, <laughs> he couldn't get home. So apparently he had to go into Huntley and went to Brett Glass's place. Brett kindly let him play there. So then he, he played the first session and went home only to find out that he'd forgotten to log off at Brett's place and he couldn't log back. <laughs> Could it happen to a nicer guy? I could just These imagine things... Mr. Foyle doing that. <laughs> These things come in threes. But anyway, but you've got to be clever to be a bridge player, Mariana. <laughs> so, um, um, so Anthony Hopkins is also telling me that one of the benefits of online, and there are a few, is that they've got something like 50 teams entered for their interclub, which is some sort of record that they've never approached before. So that sounds like it's going to be a great event, the Auckland Interclub teams with 50 teams entered online. I'll tell you what, one of my screen mates in yesterday's competition, in between playing, was like, what are you doing? Oh, I've got this little small business and I'm just doing my paperwork. Get up and down, filing this, signing off this. I was like, what? It was amazing. So, yes, you have to be multi talented to be able to play bridges. I just wrote down a little something else I got, and this was from Jerry Palmer. It was um, not related to anything in particular, but I'm sure all of our bridge playing listeners will appreciate this. Just bear this in mind. And I don't know whether this is Jerry's quote, but he didn't say attribute to anybody else. He said, if you've got no aces, and no kings, and no shortage, you have nothing. That was what he said. <laughs> Next time you pick up a ham with no aces, no kings, and no shortage, you have nothing. <laughs> All the queens and jacks in the world are not worth those three things. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning, Judge Julie. How's your day going so far? Good, and nice and fine. How's yours? We're doing okay. Not too many people with COVID. No, reducing. I had a family that had it. They're all better. It's all getting good. (laughs) Mariana's got a good subject for you today, Julie. We're talking with Kermit, Psyche Pam, as she was once known. And I was just saying that I know someone that loves doing a psych every now and then, absolutely hates a psych being done against them and rushes around looking for some sort of hanky or tissue. So just wondering, what goes on? Is there any formal steps that you have to do if you do a psych or have a psych done against you? Julie, for our listeners, you might want to explain what a psych is. Okay, that's important because we have a few people that don't quite tell the truth when they're bidding frequently, but they're not really telling a lie. They're fudging. (laughs) <laughs> so if you open a, with an 11-point hand and your partner says it's 12, that's not a psych. A psych is a gross misdescription of your hand. It is something that you have gone out of your way to pretend that you've got something that you don't have. And it can be point count, it can be lying about a suit and various other things. And it is generally used as a strategic bid in that you're hoping to stop your opponent's from finding their right place to play. However, it is something that your partner knows nothing about. You cannot have an agreement about psyching that is illegal. And your partner is as likely to make a bad bid 
as your opponents are. In America, you're not allowed to cite when you're protected by your system from your partner putting you in trouble. So there's a lot about psychs, but the one thing they do is they upset people. <laughs> and they upset people in a variety of ways. And seriously, one of the more common ways they upset people is the partner of the person who is psyched. Because when you psych and you make a pretty random sort of bid that your partner's not expecting, you are as likely or to end up putting your side in trouble as you are to have the opponent miss out on where they should be. And that is a really important part about a psych. It's not something that you can do and think, oh, that's easy, I'm not going to get into trouble. The second thing, and I really wish, is that people who do psych do not do it against weaker players. Because why do you want to stop their enjoyment of the game for no apparently good reason. If we're playing someone who is doing really badly, we don't want to upset them and we don't need to if they're playing badly. But if you play against someone who's quite good and they're looking at bidding their way to wherever, you seriously might want to take the risk. And it is a risk. I've actually noticed on BBO, on occasions, I might have opened something I shouldn't have. Oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> My path has already passed, and I particularly noticed on BBO, and I'm not saying it's particularly Americans or whatever, it doesn't matter. All I know is that if you open third in hand, and your partner who's a past hand, all of a sudden, they turn into a monster. They've got this hand <laughs> that they couldn't open, and they go berserk just because I've opened one diamond or something. So it does not come without its risk. Yeah, people. and actually to this day, Patrick and I, just, I was directing, and Patrick opened one spade, I think, third in hand with king, queen, jack to five spades. And I told him he had to write it in the psych register, which we have at Congress and various clubs have, is where you psych, you have to let the director know, self-report, because there is a limit. The rules say that there's a limit to how many often you will psych in a session or your partnership will psych. What's that number? How many times? Uh, once. Once. I'll double check the latest manual. It does change in manuals, and there's another story about that one. So I said to Patrick, he had to self-report, and he said he stood in hand. It's not a psych. He had a good suit. So we weren't quite on the same agreement there about whether it was a gross misdescription of a light opener, third in hand or not. Anyway, it doesn't hurt to get him in the psych register, so that was fine. We had a pair that one open, one psyched an opening bid and their partner psyched the response. So they actually broke the rules, but they didn't know that their partner had psyched, respectively. I think in all fairness, in that particular situation, if memory serves, the opponents were not damaged. They ended up in a bit of strife because of whatever happened, okay? <laughs> God, I have enough blooming trying to, to actually bid my hand <laughs> instead of having a cycle to into it. And it can seriously backfire. We were playing teams in Australia, like Victoria or whatever, and Patrick opened four heart and the opponents doubled for takeout. So I did four spades with my six-card heart suit or five-card heart suit, whatever I had. And then when we got to five hearts, they decided to get a bit onto six spades. So it was sort of horrible, really. I bid four spades, they doubled for penalties, then I had to bid five hearts, and then they bid five spades and got to six spades, which made Finn Barry and Jimmy at the other table played in four spades. It was a wee bit embarrassing. <laughs> so it's a strategic bid. It is done because you're hoping to stop your opponents finding the right place to play. It is two-edged, 
in that your partner might suddenly get really excited about what you're doing. For example, when I bid four spades over his four hearts, generally he would expect me to have a really good hand. But when they doubled, he didn't have to decide. So things are two-edged and it is a gross misdescription. It is not just a little bit different to what's expected. Actually, I can remember years ago, somebody that broke the rules, obviously, they both psyched unknowingly on the same hand. I'm going to name names. I'm going to name names. I'm not shy. It was Michael Weir and Jonathan Lane back in the 90s playing against the precision pair. One of them showed both majors that they didn't have and the other one psyched as well, because obviously there's a bit more room for movement when they've opened a, a big club and you can sort of <laughs> yeah. fiddle in, around. In the 90s, they didn't have that rule. <laughs> Oh, God, so they were okay. <laughs> the poor guy that opened one club came to see me later and he said, you won't believe what these two got up to against me. <laughs> it would have been fun, though, because Kermit says that they're really fun to do. And I was like, I couldn't sit there with a straight poker face. I'd be hopeless. Seriously, Bridge, if you look in the 1930s at, like, the Truscotts and maybe later than that for the Truscotts. Julie was directing back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the early days, if you pick up and read, like, Colbertson's book about what they did, they lied through their teeth all the time. <laughs> it's incredible what lies they told and must have told with a straight face. Funny. But it is something, I mean, one of the things that comes up really frequently is if you've opened one heart, for argument's sake, and the opponent's double and your partner bids one spade. I mean, seriously, this is almost compulsory if you've got not much because you know that your opponents have spades and if you've only got two yep. or three, then it's likely that they've got a spade fit. And so for a long time, when I was playing 90s and maybe 80s, we played double of their one spade. If they opened one heart and I doubled and they went one spade, my partner's double was penalties because it was such a common sight. To the degree, you're not allowed agreements, but if I was playing with someone who was quite good, I would look at their bid and think, oh, that's a bit sus. <laughs> In all fairness, we want people to enjoy the game. And having people that are really very quite good or very good, and you have just learned, all you are doing is upsetting them because they're having enough trouble with the basic rules without people coming along and just making the game a joke. And you aren't allowed to treat the game in a frivolous manner either. So there are things that regulate to stop. But psyching is a part of the game and it is allowed by the laws of bridge. So we don't regulate against it, but we can restrict it. And we can restrict when it is used as well. All righty. So, I bet you there's going to be some feedback about that. Yeah, but look dangerously. Seriously, sit down against Barry and have give it a really good thing. But against me, be nice. <laughs> no, that's one form of restriction. <laughs> it's a challenge, folks. Rotorua next weekend. She's in my team. Go ahead. Maybe not when we're in the team with Barry. <laughs> He's easily confused. We've got to be nice. That's true. I agree with it. Hey, thanks for that. We'll catch you next week. Okay. Bye for now. Just before we go, did you do a psych on the weekend? No, I didn't. I had my partner do a psych the previous weekend. Well, I did have a call on sub-minimum values, and it sort of had a happy ending in the finish, but not without a bit of stress. If you do decide you're going to make a psychic bid, just bear in mind that you need to have your blood pressure medication handy. Okay, so that's it from us.
take care everybody and I hope you have a great week in Bridgeport. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.